Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, we're deviating from the norm a little as we have a very special guest with us today. That's right, we'll be speaking with Andy Taylor, who's the Chief Solutions Officer at NATS, the main air navigation service provider for the UK. We'll be talking with Andy about surviving COVID, um, modernising air traffic control and digital control towers. So I'm really excited for this conversation. So now you know what's in store. Let's get on with the show. And I mean, I know you're so excited, Joe, but I thought I wanted to get the first question in before I can't get any other questions in. So, um, (laughs) you know, um, Andy, everyone talks about how much airlines have been impacted by COVID, but the impact for air navigation service providers must have been just as great. How have you managed to make ends meet for these difficult times? Uh, that's a good question, uh, Tom and, and Joanna. Thanks so very much for having uh, me on, uh, by the way. Uh, really excited to be on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the last two years have been a difficult time for everyone uh, in the aviation industry. Uh, and certainly from uh, a NATS perspective and uh, ANSPs in general, our traffic service providers around the world, uh, we've seen a significant disruption to our normal uh, day-to-day. But um, from my perspective, um, focused on our technologies, uh, it's actually been quite a um, a positive coming out of a very negative situation in terms of uh, it's given a lot of people, um, a lot of our customers, uh, time to reflect on what they're doing and what they need to do in future. And likewise for us, mm. it's given us uh, some time uh, to further develop our products in, in line with those new requirements. So um, it's... Uh, it, it, it's it's challenging, um, but I think we're certainly seeing um, the, the the growth shoots now coming out, and the technology is absolutely um, key to to us and key to uh, to customers that we're talking to right now. And I haven't been in fact for the last two years. It's it's been a very busy time for me, certainly for two years. Mm. I can imagine. And I think that's an interesting parallel between what we've seen at airlines around the world. You know, the the kind of COVID thing has given a pause and a time to reflect and a time to really think about their business plans, whereas before it was all kind of go, go, go. Um, Mm. And I know you guys, uh, you rolled out the remote ATC tower at London City last year, um, despite the challenges of of the pandemic and everything else that was going on. Could you give us a bit more colour on what that does and how it actually works? Yes, certainly. Um, So London City uh, Airport has uh, expanded. Um, There was a need for a new control tower uh, in order that the controllers were able to survey the whole of the new airfield. Um, And that uh, that basically uh, gave us a number of uh, possibilities, one of them being digital. And that was uh, the one that was chosen by us as a service provider and by the airport company. So um, we have uh, deployed a a digital tower that's cameras uh, on the airfield, which provide a full panoramic uh, 360 degree view of what the controllers would see were they uh, based there in a control tower, traditional control tower. But it uh, sends all of that information in real time direct down to our Swanwick area uh, and terminal control center, um, which is about 120 kilometers away. Um, the controllers uh, for London City uh, Tower are now based in that center and have been for uh, the last year. And they operate the service as if they were on site. So um, it's effectively a, an electronic replacement of a physical control tower in an environment where a physical control tower 
uh, was both uh, too costly and uh, too difficult to actually install because, as I'm sure uh, all your listeners are aware, London City Airfield is a, a small footprint within uh, reclaimed Dockland area uh, right in the middle mm. of, uh, of London. Um, so it is mm. a very challenging environment to operate within. It's also uh, a difficult environment uh, to uh, to expand. So um, this has been a perfect solution mm. for that. Certainly, mm. Uh, the pandemic itself has given us opportunities um, to prove that we can transition uh, a number of um, technology solutions in, in place. And we've been working similarly uh, in similar timescales to, uh, to that in Singapore as well, uh, where a uh, digital solution uh, was deployed uh, and went operational uh, during uh, the COVID pandemic. Mm. Mm. And I mean, just um, talking about how how are they performing in practice? Like, what are the and are there any drawbacks of using remote ATC towers? I think the the sort of big question in my head is, what if the internet goes down or you can't um, connect the Swanwick to uh, London City? If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question, and, and um, in general. Um, people consider uh, that uh, almost certainly is one of the first questions that they, they ask us. From our perspective mm. as an air traffic service provider, Nats has been uh, providing services from um, units, air traffic control units, which are often a long way away from where the aircraft themselves are being controlled, um, it, be that uh, at airports or, um, or in our en route environment. So the transfer of data securely, be it radar data, uh, radio, flight data, and in this particular case, camera data, um, it, it, its security and its transmission and the certainty of its transition, uh, transmission is, uh, is something that we've, we've uh, you know, central to our business anyway. So it's, it's not really new in those terms. The fact that it's a visual mm. image uh, is the new part, but, um, but effectively, as per any air traffic control system, it has backups in terms of the technology. It has backups in terms of procedures as well, in terms of any kind of um, reduction uh, of, uh, of the systems that are available to us. But um, in reality, digital towers are now a... Um, are a mature technology, which is why Nats mm. is both invested in Series Technologies, our technology supplier, and also in deploying the technology ourselves in our own operation and around the world. Fantastic. And I know London City was really the world's first major airport to use the remote digital tower. I, I know there's been um, some work in kind of remote locations in um, Scandinavia, particularly where they've been using um, digital towers, remote digital towers. But you mentioned Singapore. Are you working quite um, broadly with other ANSPs to, to launch remote digital towers elsewhere in the world? We are, yes. Uh, and actually what I should say is that remote towers is only a small portion of what digital towers are um, because there isn't a, a specific requirement to always operate uh, a digital tower from a remote location. And Singapore is a perfect mm -hmm. example of that, um, as are uh, deployments that are in, underway at present in Hong Kong um, and um, in the Middle East, where we're actually providing a digital solution, but on site. So we still um, okay. deploy cameras around the airport, uh, and particularly large airfields like uh, Changi in Singapore. Um, the footprint of those is multiple times the size of somewhere like London City. Uh, so the type of solution that we deploy is is 
similarly larger so that we can uh, provide controllers with panoramic views over all parts of the airfield. And, and bearing in mind somewhere like Singapore with its two runways and four terminals, um, the runways themselves are four kilometers long. Uh, so the surface area is vast. The digital solution, mm. in fact, means that um, unlike a physical tower where you, you centralize all the controllers in one physical location and they look out of the window to monitor the traffic, in a digital solution such as the one we have in Singapore, we put the cameras around the airport and you bring that um, that picture in towards them. So you can have controllers that are sitting together in a digital facility, control facility, but it's as though for their task that they're carrying out, they're sitting at different locations around the airfield. So they can be four okay. kilometers apart in terms of the areas they're responsible for, and yet sitting closely together and able to um, coordinate directly with each other. So it's a real advantage in bringing that kind of technology to a complex operation. Brilliant, brilliant. Sounds great. To follow on from that, um, do you see the potential for a remote tower anywhere else in the UK? Are there any other airports that could potentially benefit from this technology? Uh, well, I, I'd refer it back in terms of the digital tower. So again, a, a remote tower, um, there will be particular use cases for that. London City was a perfect example because of the, the lack of uh, space for a physical tower to be built on site. And a and putting camera masks in takes a lot less footprint uh, to get an equal um, equivalent view. So other airports in the UK certainly have um, potential benefits to gain from going digital, uh, be that that you can provide areas uh, that are currently blind from the control towers that we have uh, directly to the controllers. Um, so that's, that's an enhancement. You can add on um, additional information so that controllers are no longer having to scan outside and internal systems. Everything can be combined uh, to assist controllers, makes it more efficient and enhances safety. So I think there's a lot of potential reasons why many airports would go digital in the UK. Um, and then obviously, uh, at some point, a tower, an existing tower, will become end of life, uh, require uh, either its internal systems to be um, enhanced or alternatively may require rehousing. And in which case, I think there's a good case there to consider going digital rather than physical uh, in terms of it's more cost effective to build something um, on a digital location than having to go up multiple um, levels uh, to get the view mm. that you would otherwise require. And um, you mentioned the digital towers aren't just about remote control. And I know you've been sort of working on using some artificial intelligence to assist with manned tower control. And artificial intelligence just seems to be sort of a big thing that the um, industry right now is looking at as a whole. Um, can you talk us a, through a bit how that works in uh, the sort of context of an air uh, navigation service provider? Yeah, certainly. So the uh, the artificial intelligence that we've employed um, so far uh, at our Heathrow facility um, has been uh, to take uh, the information coming from the panoramic cameras uh, and other cameras that we uh, distribute around the airport, but also mm. to take data from other existing airport um, systems, combine those together, process it um, in a, an artificial um, you know, trained uh, algorithm 
uh, an AI algorithm, which uh, which then is able to support the controllers by providing them with uh, triggers, um, mm. notifications or prompts to do certain things. So, for example, are you sort of suggesting mm. if um, the camera notices that um, an airplane is where it shouldn't be, it would say, hang on, something's going on here? or? Yeah, that can certainly be one of the cases. In Heathrow, in actual fact, what we focused on is where the aircraft should be. Um, and one of the main tasks that takes up a lot of time for a controller is, is scanning around the airport, monitoring uh, key events. So one of those things is when the aircraft um, clears the runway, uh, landing runway, um, and that point is then uh, triggers the opportunity to, to make another aircraft uh, arrive or depart. Um, so that involves the controller having to scan back to that. Um, with the, the digital um, solution, the AI is continually monitoring the runway exits so that a controller can uh, visually scan somewhere else, uh, but the artificial intelligence is continually monitoring that. So the instant that something occurs, a controller will be provided with a prompt. So that certainly helps in terms of workload. Um, it helps because um, computerized systems are generally very good at repetitious tasks, which are things that actually humans have to be uh, trained to do. That's that's you know part of our controller training is um, is to ensure that they are able to effectively scan uh, and maintain you know the whole mental model of what's going on. So the artificial intelligence really helps that. Um, it's it's trained to do a specific thing. So it's not that we have a uh, a sort of robot controller as such. The AI model is trained to do certain parts of that. Um, so that can, in fact, be, as you suggested, looking for anomalies. Um, you know, Something has gone either not necessarily wrong, but has gone in a different way to the norm. Does the controller need to be um, made aware of that? So again, it can help because um, the controller is, it may well be scanning something which is a high priority task that needs some um, indication as to whether something is uh, is checked now by them. Mm. And um, just sort of expanding on um, that, um, with digital towers, obviously, uh, surely they must improve um, safety, for example, when there's fog or so, um, because you're not sat up in the, in the clouds. But um, can you just talk us a little bit about the implications of um, safety with digital towers? Yeah, well, well that's, um, uh, that's a really good um, point back, actually, to the, the first use case that we had at Heathrow. Mm. And that's the, the Heathrow Control Tower is 87 metres tall. Uh, it's the tallest mm. tower in the UK. Um, and it's, it, it gives us a great view, or gives the controllers a great view of the whole airfield surface. However, mm. being that tall, it basically means that it's susceptible to going into low clouds. So the controllers find themselves in, in cloud, um, even though the surface of the airport is clear. So mm. that uh, causes us to uh, apply additional um, safety buffers because of the reduced visibility. The cameras that we've deployed at Heathrow are below uh, that cloud layer. Um, they're out mm. uh, near the runway exits, and they are basically able to see in very low um, ranges of visibility. So that, that means that we've been able to um, prove a capability when the tower is in cloud. Uh, we're also mm. uh, looking at taking that the next step now, which is into uh, low levels of visibility in fog. And that's when we mm. apply additional safety buffers to ensure that the ground uh, navigation aid signals that the, the, the pilots are, are, are reliant upon um, and that the aircraft automatically follows in those low-vis procedures um, 
it, it basically assures those to a higher level. It, so there is absolutely uh, safety benefits to have to be had, but there's also the fact that we can remove some of the unnecessary procedural elements if hmm. the uh, the aircraft is able to be directly scanned uh, rather than um, a sort of reduced capability because the controllers have had that lack of um, lack of view or view uh, reduced. Hmm. Fascinating stuff. I mean, this is all very sci-fi and uh, very exciting to hear about. But uh, just uh, for my benefit, how many towers, I mean, do you have like visibility of how many towers have gone over to the digital way of doing things so far? Um, I don't know, in terms of a percentage of what there is, I don't know, in the UK or globally? Hmm. Um, So it's an ever-changing picture. Uh, there are more than 30 airports around the world uh, that are using steerage technologies um, at the moment, which, uh, as I you know, mentioned, is, is um, the, the leading supplier of digital towers that Nats is, uh, is invested in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but beyond that, there are other suppliers as well. So I think in general, it's um, it is seen as a uh, as a technology which is mature, which is being adopted. It's being adopted at small airfields and we're helping it be to, to be adopted and in fact has been adopted at much larger airports like Heathrow, Hong Kong, Singapore. So major airports are now leading the way as much as uh, as the smaller remote airfields um, were previously. Uh, so I, I think that's what you'll see as a trend uh, over the coming years, certainly from the conversations I've had over the last two years of COVID has been about airports and air traffic service provider organizations looking to change the way that they do things. And I think certainly if we were looking to to start um, uh, providing air traffic services for the first time from today, we would not be uh, coming up with you know physical towers at that sense of building. The difficulty of building on an airport, where you know a, an air traffic control tower is is an obstruction that has to be uh, you know worked into all sorts of uh, procedures, surfaces, and and safety mm-hmm. uh, elements. So the technology is is where we would start. Um, so in actual fact, it's not sci-fi. It is very much the present date, and it's just using the technology that's available and mature. Mm, really interesting. Thank you. So how far are we going to go with this? I mean, where do you see, I don't know, the the air traffic control landscape in, I don't know, maybe 10, 20, 30 years time? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I, I, that's one of those ones where um, it, it would be it would be. Uh, wonderful to be able to have that exact, I can tell you where it's going to be. It's almost kind of like proving uh, that I could I predict the lottery. But I think where we're going to go <laughs> is certainly, uh, I don't see uh, that, that airports will be building uh, physical control towers. I see them uh, using digital technology. Um, I would see certainly from our perspective, our five digital tower models that we have that suit every airport from the smallest to the largest international hub being the basis of um smart technologies then that are deployed on it. I see this almost uh, in the same terms as when the smartphone came along and that kind of gave that digital platform on which uh, applications that we now just take as the norm in terms of how we book things, how we, you know, sort of order uh, our, you know, day-to-day life is based around those applications deployed on that um, on that platform. So I'd, I'd see digital towers and, and numerous applications um supporting what we do today, but also potentially bringing in the ability for airports to uh, have 
new things like uh, unmanned aviation um, and whatever else is required so that we can integrate that. Because again, you know, when you're looking at, at, at technologies that are pilotless, um, mm. having a controller that uh, speaks to pilots is a system that works well for manned aviation, but it, it potentially needs a different solution to bring in non-manned uh, aviation. However, if you want to integrate the two, uh, which I think is absolutely where things uh, need to, to to be, then you have to have something capable of both. So mm. a digitized artificial intelligence that can work with the human and work with other humans like uh, you know pilots, that I think is the, the, the strength of the way forward. Mm. I think we could just have a whole other podcast just talking about how EV tolls are going to fit into the um, into the landscape in the future. So, That's a whole uh, can of worms that needs yeah. to be dealt with. Just this morning, I've been writing about um, AirAsia committing to at least 100 flying taxis um, over, over in Southeast Asia. I know Virgin Atlantic are, are looking at it as well. So I guess that's the, the next challenge for air traffic control to deal with. But uh, I think I'm understanding what you're saying, that if you've got the kind of AI technology there and ready to go, it's much easier to integrate it with these kind of futuristic, if you like, um, technologies that we're seeing coming along. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Um, so what's on the horizon for you this year? What are you most excited about at Nats right now? Well, from my perspective, again, on the digital front, uh, it is uh, moving forward again with our AI programs. Um, so uh, both uh, restarting our Heathrow um, Digital Tower Lab uh, project uh, after we paused during uh, COVID with that, um, and also uh, taking up uh, this development and deployment of, uh, of that kind of technology um, around the world, and, and we're we're working with customers at the moment um, in in Asia uh, that are keen to to take the learnings and the benefits that we've already gained from the the first stages of the Heathrow um, project to take that on further. So, for me, it, it's it's starting to deploy um, these applications really to really build on our digital tower platforms. Those those. Five, um, five models, like I say. So anything that goes into somewhere like Heathrow potentially can go into somewhere smaller as well because the application may still be relevant to them. There'll mm. be certain applications that will be particularly relevant to, to large, maybe some more relevant to smaller ones. But I think the fact that airports will have the choice to do that is, is the bit that makes it super exciting for me. Um, and like I say, it, it's, it's at this stage coming out of, um, you know, sort of the hibernation that, um, that, that the pandemic has, has brought for the industry, but seeing that growth and basically being able to now deploy my my smartphone digital tower um, with all of those potential applications, that's, that's just, um, you know, a wave that I'm really looking forward to, to riding. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, it sounds so exciting. I'm so pleased for you guys. It's it's a sense of British pride. You know, there's not always something to be proud of to be British, but for Nats to be leading the world in digital towers in the way it is, it really makes me feel pleased to be in Britain for once. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's that's very nice of you to say, but I, have, I mean, I have to say Nats is a totally international organisation. We 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 have um, offices in, in the Middle East, in, in Asia, um, 
in in Singapore, uh, we've we've we have a presence in Hong Kong too, um, and certainly from our perspective, uh, you know, it's a it's a global uh, market that we support. Um, our technology partner series are actually based in in Ottawa in Canada, um, okay. where uh, you know the, there is a, a huge. Um, uh, focus there on um, technology. Uh, you know that's so we, we we certainly we leverage what we have in terms of our capabilities in the UK um, and our service delivery capabilities. Uh, but I think like uh, you know any high performing team, you look to how you can improve that constantly. You know I, I'm looking at the Winter Olympics, but you know we could have been talking back in the summer at the Summer Olympians. And at no point do any of those people at the top of their game kind of rest on the I'm at the top of my game. They're always looking mm. for the how can I get a second extra here? What can I do to improve things? Um, and that's what that's what technology does for us. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Andy, so much for talking mm. to us today. It's, it's been really inspiring. Chat. I'm sure our uh, listeners are going to enjoy listening to it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming along. You're welcome. It's been a great chat. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, that's all for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.